What Peter is saying here is, man, we're not telling you what we heard somebody else. We're not, we're, it's not like a friend of a friend told us what this, what happened. We're telling you what we saw, what we heard. We were there, you know? And so these are eyewitness accounts of what happened. This is season eight of Guerrilla Christianity. My name is Pastor Brett Walker, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Guerrilla Christianity, an unconventional, no apologies exposition of God's grace from an evangelical Methodist point of view. God's holy word is central to all we believe, so let's get into God's word right now. Now hear the word of the gospel according to St. Mark, Mark chapter 9 and verses 2 through 9. This is the traditional reading of the transfiguration account. Let us hear the word of the Lord for us this day. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into an high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And suddenly when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what, they, what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All throughout the... Um, season of Epiphany, we have been uh, in a series called God with us. Jesus is God with us. Uh, our theme verse has been Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel is a Hebrew word which means God with us, and that's who Jesus is. We've been looking at how God interacts with us through the ministry of Jesus Christ. We've heard the calling of God into discipleship. We've heard God's mission for us as we too are called to fish for people. We've bowed down to the authority of God's word in the person of Jesus Christ. Last week, like everyone else, we were seeking God in Jesus Christ. Today, as we wrap up our series, we find that God shows up when and how we least expect it. Let us pray. 
Almighty God, send forth your Holy Spirit into our hearts to instruct us on this day as we read that familiar text, how your Son was transfigured before his disciples. Reveal to us what you would have us to know this day. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we get into the text that I read this morning in Mark 9, I want to go back to chapter 8 and verse 27, because I want to set the context. You know, since January, we've been reading through verse by verse uh, the, the gospel according to Mark, and we've almost got all the way through the first chapter, but not quite. Um, it's taken us six weeks to get from verse 1 uh, to verse 39. We're almost done the first chapter. And now we jump ahead to the ninth chapter. So I want to I want to I want us to look at where this account happens. What is going on around it? What is the context? Because no passage of scripture um, happens in a vacuum. You know, sometimes we like to take a passage of scripture, just one verse or even part of a verse, and apply it someplace in our lives where it really doesn't apply. We need to know the context. And so let's look at the context here. What's going on? Verse 27 of Mark 8 is when Jesus takes his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and some others say one of the prophets. And then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. Now, this is Mark's gospel. The writer of Mark's gospel was a man by the name of John Mark. We read about him in the book of Acts. And he was a companion of Peter's which means that he had a unique access to Peter's perspective on the story of Jesus Christ as Jesus uh, walked among us, okay? Peter was one of the first four disciples that was called into mission by Jesus. We read, we, read, we read about that in the beginning of Mark's gospel, how he first went to Andrew and his brother Peter, who were fishermen in Galilee. They were casting their nets. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He gave them a mission. Uh, he had already called them into discipleship, but now he was calling them into a mission. Uh, then he went and he found James and John, uh, who were brothers, the sons of Zebedee, they were in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And Jesus called them as well, and they left their father and their nets, and they followed Jesus. Now, the first place they went was into Capernaum, uh, and they began to proclaim the good news. He went into the synagogue. He cast out a demon from uh, a man who was demon-afflicted or demon-possessed. Um, and then he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Um, 
she got up, she started to serve the disciples. And then um, at evening, they brought um, the sick and the demon possessed to Jesus. And he began to cast out demons and to heal the sick. You know, this was the beginning of the ministry, but it was Andrew and Peter and James and John who were the first four called into this mission. And all throughout the first chapter, they're the only disciples that we see. But Peter, James, and John were the three closest disciples to Jesus. And anytime anything important happened, it was always Peter and James and John who were with Jesus. When Jesus raised uh, the daughter of Jairus from the dead, it was Peter, James, and John who were the only ones in the room with him to witness uh, this miracle. When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed fervently, and he sweat drops of blood. It was Peter, James, and John who were there with him in the garden. And so Peter, James, and John were sort of his inner circle, if you will. Um, now here we read that Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. Now, in Matthew's account and in Luke's account, it also says, that Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonas, for this has not been revealed to you by men, but by God himself, by God's Spirit. And I tell you that you are no longer Simon, you are Peter, Petros. And on this Petros, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell and Hades shall not prevail against it. Why is that not included here? If this is Mark, Mark is writing this gospel from Peter's perspective. I, I, honestly, I think that Peter was just too humble to say anything like that. To say, yeah, um, after I said that Jesus was the Christ, he praised me and he, he said, you are the rock and I'm going to build my church on this rock. It's, Peter is the one who denied Jesus. When, when Peter gave this gospel to Mark to write down, it was on the other side of the cross. It was after Peter had denied Jesus three times, after Jesus told him he would deny him three times, and Peter said, Lord, even if I have to die, I will never deny you. But he did. And so he's on the other side of that. He was just too humble to say uh, to to John Mark that he was praised by Jesus. And then in verse 31, we read this. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that are of men. Peter was not too humble to include that. He was saying, he was pointing to himself and saying, what a wretch I am. I keep putting my foot in my mouth, you know? And so he, he freely shares that account, but doesn't share the account of when Jesus praised him for saying that he was the Messiah. 
Now, verse 34, we're still in chapter 8. When he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You have to understand what a scandalous saying this is. When he says to take up your cross, he's talking about crucifixion. And crucifixion was a really dishonorable way to die. Uh, the Romans saved crucifixion for the worst of the worst. Um, the ones that they wanted to make an example of, don't ever do this or the same will happen to you. And they would hang them naked on a cross in full public view and usually on a very public road where people could see them all the time. Here was Jesus saying, take up your cross and follow me. Because what he was saying was, and what he said to the disciples, I'm going to be betrayed. We're going to Jerusalem and I'm going to be betrayed and I'm going to be killed. And on the third day I will rise again. They said, what, what is he even talking about, rise again? from on the third day. It doesn't make any sense. Is he, is he speaking in an, uh, in an allegory? Is he using a parable? They just didn't understand why. Well, I mean, it's very easy for us to be critical on this side of the cross and the empty tomb because we've heard the rest of the story, but they hadn't lived it yet. They were still going to the cross. They hadn't seen the betrayal. They were still seeing the crowds coming to Jesus and being healed and everybody's exalting him and, and, and praising him. Oh, except for those religious folks, you know. But they would come and they would say, um, uh, this doesn't make any sense. What, what do you mean? Take up your cross. This is what he says. Whoever... Whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and for the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall a profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels." And then he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And that leads us right into our verse today. Verse 2. After six days. After six days Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up unto one high mountain apart by themselves and he was transfigured before them see he had just told the people that there were some people standing right there who would not taste death before they saw the kingdom of god come with power and six days later he takes peter and james and john up on this mountain and he is transfigured before them we all have mountaintop experiences that's what brings us to Christ. We have those mountaintop experiences. And this is an experience that is, is so indelible in the minds of the disciples who were there that they had to share it. Uh, this account of the transfiguration is recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay. Again, Mark's gospel is written from the perspective of Peter the disciple. 
And just so that there's no mistaking, Peter also wrote about this account in his uh, second letter. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 18 says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. They saw it with their very own eyes. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. What Peter is saying here is, man, we're not telling you what we heard Somebody else, we're not, we're, it's not like a friend of a friend told us what this, what happened. We're telling you what we saw, what we heard. We were there, you know? And so these are eyewitness accounts of what happened. Now, John in his gospel doesn't record this account exactly, but he does allude to it when in um, the first chapter, verse 14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, when God said, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. John put that in the back of his mind. And John wrote his gospel many years later, but he still remembered that what they saw on the mountain. He didn't record that exact account. But he says, we have seen his glory. We've seen it with our own eyes. We've seen his glory. The glory as of the only son of the father. Full of grace and truth. Now, it tells us that he was transfigured before him. It's an interesting word, transfigured. We call this the transfiguration of Christ. Think of his figure, his, his, his form was transformed, okay? He was transformed, okay? Is what the word transfigured means. The Greek word is metamorpho, um, which, from which we get our word metamorphosis. Think of a caterpillar uh, going through metamorphosis in the chrysalis and becoming a beautiful butterfly. The butterfly looks nothing like the ugly caterpillar. And in the same way, here's Jesus, like us, um, you know, dirty, dusty from the road, um, in drab clothes, just like everybody else and fitting in everywhere. But here he is transfigured. He is metamorphosized. He becomes something completely different and, and, and strikingly so. Think about what it says. It says, his raiment, his clothing became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. Um, Matthew and Mark both record that his face was shining like the sun, sort of bringing to mind when Moses had appeared on the mountain and spoke with God face to face. When he came down, he was shining with the glory of God. But Moses was a reflection of the glory of God. Jesus is not a reflection of the glory of God. He is the glory of God. He is the glory of God. And so this is, this is an amazing account. We have seen the glory 
of Jesus, glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. It's a, it's a powerful statement and a powerful eyewitness they've seen. Now, verse 4, there appeared unto them Elias with Moses. Elijah and Moses, they were talking with Jesus. So, Moses and Elijah, they represent the law and the prophets. Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible, the first, the, what we call the Pentateuch, what the Jews call the Torah, the book of the law. Um, so Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all written by the hand of Moses. Okay, now Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. And the law and the prophets is really a Jewish shorthand way of saying the Holy Scriptures. All of the Holy Scriptures. Now, as I was saying in our uh, in our announcements that we're going to be going through this series called the Epic of Eden that presents the Old Testament as not just some disjointed um, uh, something that we, we, we don't ever read. And in fact, uh, all through this summer, we're going to be spending a lot of time in the Old Testament because the Old Testament is our story too. It's the story of God interacting with his people, and that includes us. The Old Testament is a build-up to the New Testament. It's not just, it's not just something that it, it happened to them. It didn't happen to us. It happened to all of us, okay? So the Old Testament and the New working together form the Holy Scriptures. But in this case, we're talking about the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, okay? Now, Jesus often referred to the law and the prophets in this way, or Moses and the prophets. Um, and when we read of, after his resurrection, he met two disciples on the road to Emmaus, we read in Luke chapter 24, and they were grieving because, you know, they had just seen their Lord put to death and they were, and then they were like, and, and some of our women astounded us because they came to us and they said that they had seen him risen from the dead. And Jesus said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then it says, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, the Holy Scriptures point to Christ. All of the scriptures. You know, Jesus fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies, which is um, statistically impossible um, for one person to do that completely by accident or random. But he did it. And he did it completely, okay? So the Old Testament, the, 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 the Law and the Prophets, they speak about Jesus. In, um, in the other accounts, in Mark, Matthew and in Luke, it mentions that they were talking with Jesus about the death that he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem, okay? So, there appeared unto them Elias with Moses. They were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, three tents, 
one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. Uh, for he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. He didn't know what to say. He, he, was, he was terrified. He never seen anything like this before. And Peter, because Peter just doesn't know when to close his mouth and listen sometimes, um, he just runs his mouth and he says, Oh, Lord, it's good for us to be here. We're going to build three tents for you and for Moses and for Elijah so that you can be here on the mountain all the time and people can come up here and visit with you. That's what he was saying. That's what he was intending. But huh, that's not what God intended, is it? Because there was a cloud, verse 7, that overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Basically saying to, to, to Peter, um, one of my favorite sayings is, Take the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. In other words, listen, shut up. God gave us one mouth and two ears for a reason. We're supposed to listen twice as much as what we say. Uh, something that I'm still working on. Of course, I really identify with Peter in that regard. Um, but verse uh, 8 says, Suddenly when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. So this whole thing happens in an instant. Um, but it, it left this incredible, indelible mark on their memories so that all three of them... Um, went and they were, they were proclaiming this. They were, they were testifying to this. They came down from the mountain. He charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man was risen from the dead. And once again, they were saying, what does he mean, risen from the dead? Well, he meant exactly that. But we know that because we have read the rest of the story. They, they were still living it. And so we should not be uh, very hard on them. But we need to come down off the mountain. We need to get back into the world. We need to minister to the people that God came to save through Jesus Christ. You see, we have all had an encounter with God. It's what brings us to this place week after week. The world tells us that we are foolish for believing in fairy tales. But these are eyewitness accounts handed down to us through the ages. The truth is, when God shows up, we have two ways that we can react. We can deny our senses and go about our lives as if nothing happened. That's how the world wants us to treat an encounter with God. Or we can submit to God's power and truth. It's not an easy life to be a follower of Christ. But when God shows up and our eyes are opened to see his glory, what else can we do but to bow down and worship him as our God and our King? This season of Lent begins this Wednesday with our Ash Wednesday service. And I would invite you to participate in whatever way you can. You can come to Hudson on Wednesday night for the imposition of ashes. Or uh, you may worship with us from home via Facebook Live. Either way, I pray you will have an encounter with God through Jesus Christ, our Emmanuel, God with us. And when you do, I invite you to come down from the mountain and proclaim the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord of all.
to the glory of God the Father. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for this eyewitness account that informs us of the glory that, that your Son displayed there on that holy mountain. We too wish to see your glory, Lord. And no one has ever seen God, but you are revealed through your Son, Jesus Christ, God with us, Emmanuel. We are so grateful, Lord, that you have recorded for us in your holy word these eyewitness accounts that we may know with surety that what is held within is true. You are God. You alone. You have created all things. You spoke and the worlds were formed. And you created us in your own image. And when we turned away from you, when we sinned, you sent your son as, a, as an expression of your own love. The Bible tells us that your love is demonstrated in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. As we come into the Lenten season, let us remember always that it was us and our sin that put Jesus on the cross, but also remember that Jesus went willingly out of love to rescue us from our sins, to revitalize us, to revive us, to, to, for us to die to ourselves and to be reborn in the image of God. That's who we are. As Christians, we are Christ ones. We are little Christs and we bear his image in the world. Let us be faithful in bearing that image as he was faithful in bearing your image to the world in himself. We have seen the glory, glory as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. We are so grateful, Lord, for this testimony and we pray, Lord, that you will continue to touch our hearts as we minister to the world and bring the good news of Jesus Christ. All this we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us on this edition of Guerrilla Christianity. My hope and prayer is that this time of listening to and learning from God's word has blessed you as much as it has blessed me putting this message together. And God has also blessed me in appointing me to serve two churches in Salem County, New Jersey, Ebenezer United Methodist Church in Auburn and Hudson United Methodist Church in Pedricktown. If you don't have a church family to call your own and you live in the area, I'd like to invite you to join us on Sunday mornings. We are a Bible-believing, gospel-preaching, Christ-adoring faith community in the heart of New Jersey's farmland. Ebenezer meets for worship at 9 a.m. and Hudson meets for worship at 10.30. We also have Bible study during the week. And right now during the COVID-19 crisis, we are meeting exclusively online through Facebook Live, and we'd be happy for you to join us wherever you are. Of course, if you don't live nearby, get involved with the church where you are. We are not called to be Christians in isolation, but in community. So I would encourage you to live out your faith with a group of like-minded believers wherever you are. Now, if you enjoy this podcast and would like to help support it, please share it with your friends and family. Hit like, leave a comment, and also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search for Guerrilla Christianity. 
keep learning, keep growing, and I pray you will join us for Guerrilla Christianity again. Until next time, remember this, Christ died for you. Now go live for Christ. Christ.